It's that time. Everything and anything basketball. Presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Fierutani Castleman and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. Hello, everyone. Polar Opposites, a little later than usual, but still regularly scheduled programming. Cajun, Thiru, Thanny, Castellum, alongside myself, Spencer Byers. Thank you for joining us today. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff I'm happy we kind of waited on because continue to think, continuing things to develop. So we'll start off with, I think, the biggest story that came out yesterday, I think mid-afternoon. Kelly Oubre Jr. got struck by a car. Yes, he, he was hit. And... Uh, as a pedestrian, might I add, so he was walking in uh, downtown Philadelphia in the center uh, center city district when he got hit by a car. He is okay. That's why I'm happy we waited. He is okay. He does have fractured ribs and he's week to week right now for the 76ers. They're going to observe him and they're basically one week right now and they're going to reevaluate basically every week. So that's why I say week to week for Kelly Oubre Jr. So thank goodness Kelly Oubre is all A-OK relatively. Because obviously Cajun, when you get struck by a car, it can be a hell of a lot worse than just fractured ribs. So happy to hear that Kelly Oubre Jr. is all right with with all that's being said. Mm -hmm. And also being released from the hospital. Obviously, when he got hit, he was sent to the hospital, but he was released um, on Saturday, by the end of Saturday night. Um, and now he's been obviously evaluated by the Philadelphia 76ers team and, uh, happy to hear that the 76ers are kind of rallying around Kelly Oubre because they did play a game, um, not too long after Oubre was out for the team. They played against the Indiana Pacers and I wouldn't say blew the doors off them, but they really didn't in the end. They only won 137-126, but 50. 50 points from Tyrese Maxey propelled them to that win. He had 50 points, seven rebounds, five assists, and three blocks. So a guy you and I, Cajun, did put in our top 10 position rankings, me as a point guard, you as a shooting guard, but regardless, he now playing the point guard, now playing the point guard position, Cage, because of obviously James Harden being gone. He's looking mighty good right now for the Philadelphia 76ers, who are leading the Eastern Conference at 8-1. and one. Six wins in a row, might I add. Hey, man. Um, actually, that's a lie, Eight wins in a row before I may, may tell a lie. So technically it's six in a row, but it's eight in a row. Go ahead. Now, and that one loss was to the Bucks, and I was only by one point, might I add. Um, so you look, dare I say it, he looks like a bona fide MVP contender. And I thought I never thought I'd be saying that. With Embiid on that, with Embiid on the team, but he's really like he's exceeded expectations from the get go since he was drafted. Might I like also? This is the thing that just blows my mind. He was drafted twenty first, I believe, in the twenty nineteen NBA draft, or was it twenty twenty? Well, I'm going to check, but I will say, Cage, to add to your point, he also will continue to add the legacy of Coach Calipari in Kentucky because he was a uh, he was part of Kentucky. So he is, you know, I was going to say Wildcats. I want to make sure they were the Kentucky Wildcats before I tell a lie. He was 21st in 2020, Cage. He was a 20, 
20 draft pick by the Philadelphia 76ers. So again, he's adding to the lineage, the ridiculous amount of guards that have come out of Kentucky. And Cajun, you and I can go on the list. Kyrie Irving, or Kyrie Irving was Duke, but Devin Booker, Shea Gilders Alexander. Um, I'm trying to think some others, Cage, they're big. Uh, Drew Bledsoe, John Wall, both went to Kentucky. Now, maybe not all-star, or they were both all-stars, even before Wall with the, the Achilles. Um, and just, there's so many talented guards that have come to Kentucky, and they continue to come out of Kentucky, like Case and Wallace right now with, with um, Oklahoma City looking really good right now coming off their bench. A lot of really good guards, and Maxi is right, putting himself up there with Shea Gilders-Alexander, I think he's the best one in the NBA right now. And it's kind of changed drastically how Philly's going to look. It got to the point where Will and B demand a trade next. But with Maxi's ascension, Philly's looking mighty good. And I gotta say, I gotta say, Spencer, I don't know how there were 20 guys drafted ahead of Maxi in the draft that he was in. He got drafted 21st. His his ascension led to Philly moving on from Ben Simmons, his rise as a lead playmaker also led to them moving on from James Harden. So I'm happy for the kid. Um, you and I are both fans of his game. Um, and I think the ranking that we had him for our top 10 positional rankings, whether it was, whether it was um, shooting guard or shooting guard or point guard you had him at 10 on point guard i had him at nine he, he he's exceeded expectations and then some so super happy for him and he's only and the scary part is he's only going to get better you'd have to expect and as for kelly Oubre jr you never hear you never hear guys like get involved in a car accident let alone involved in a hit and run. So this was scary. This was scary to hear and I'm happy nothing has I'm happy that he's okay. He did have a fractured rib. It's just you it's scary to hear stuff like that. And he was actually filling in a really good role for them, like whether it was starting or coming off the bench a much needed scoring punch too. That Philly team is looking right now like maybe the best team in the East. Obviously Boston has something to say about that, but um they're looking really good. They're looking they're looking really good and I think Embiid's gotta be Embiid and like the Sixers organization and Nick Nurse, they all have to be thrilled with how things have shaped up ever since Harden got traded. Maybe Harden Harden leaving Philly was his greatest assist ever. Maybe no cage and I'm looking right now at the twenty twenty NBA draft class. He did go 21, of course, as you, you and I mentioned, to the Sixers. The draft goes as follows. So number one overall pick was Anthony Edwards. Draft pick number two, James Wiseman, who has not developed into what people thought he would be or I thought he would be coming out of Memphis. LaMelo Ball went three to the Hornets. Patrick Williams went number four to the Bulls. That draft pick continues to, can, uh, you'd say, disappoint. For the Bulls. And then the next pick I would say disappoints for the Cavaliers. Isaac Okora was drafted by the Cavs at number five. The Hawks got Okonkwo at six. The Pistons got Killian Hayes at seven. Knicks draft Obi Toppin at eight. 
We both know I'm a fan of his game, who has not sadly completely developed in either New York and now in Indiana. Hopefully he'll be able to get some more game time in Indiana. And then uh, Denny got drafted by the Wizards at 9. Jalen Williams got drafted at 10 by the Suns. The Spurs got uh, Devin Vassell at 11. The Kings got Tyrese Halliburton at 12. So I think Halliburton and Maxey were both drafted in the same draft. Ridiculous. And then a kid I've never heard of before, Cage. Kyra Lewis Jr. was 13th overall by the Pelicans. Andrew Na- or Aaron Naismith got drafted by the Celtics at 14. He's now with the Indiana Pacers. Cole Anthony went 15 to the Magic. Isaiah Stewart was drafted 16 by the Blazers and then ended up obviously on the Pistons. The Timberwolves draft Cage. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, so I'm going to try it. Pokusevsky? Alexei Pokusevsky, yeah. Yes. It's on the Tim- he got drafted by the Timberwolves at 17, was traded to the Thunder that on the dra- on draft day. Josh Green was drafted 18 by the Mavericks. 19 by the Nets was Sadiq Bey, obviously traded later to um, the Pistons in the end. And the pick just before Tyrese Maxey, the Miami Heat select, Preci- Precious Achua. Wow. Cage. You want to look at another really good guard that got drafted in this draft? Actually, a couple more really good guards that got drafted in, in this draft. So after Maxi at 21, Emmanuel quickly got drafted at 25 by the Thunder. Obviously, got ended got ended up at the Knicks. Peyton Pritchard got drafted at 26. And then Desmond Bain got drafted at 30. All those guys are wow. guards, and all those guys are really good. And Jaden McDaniels also got drafted at 28. He's not a guard necessarily, but really talented ball players. Yeah, like, so a lot of really, really, really good guards in 2020, man. Oh man, that that, that 2020 draft might, it, it, you know, it might go down as an all-timer, based off of the talent that's there. Obviously, there's been some bust there. Um, oh yeah, but there's but there's bust in every draft, right? And some of those guys still come good. Like Wiseman still could come good. Okonkwo is going to get more minutes. As they probably phase out Capella down there in Atlanta, you hope Obi Toppin kind of fixes his development. Um, you know, obviously Naismith's been looking really good right now in Indiana. Cole Anthony, a lot of guards in, in Orlando. We'll see if he can carve out a spot truly. Um, mm-hmm. and then you've, you've got again the guys of like Pritchard who is carving out a really good role at Boston quickly. Same thing in New York. Bain right now is probably the best player, arguably with Triple J in, in Memphis without Jaw being available. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of really talented players coming out, out of the 2020 draft, which again is really nice to see. Is I remember that draft was kind of funny because Anthony Edwards came out of just about nowhere to go first overall out of Georgia because I knew everyone was looking at Wiseman at Memphis, but then he had the beginning season suspension, played one game, and then got suspended again and was done for the rest of the season. I watched his first and only game in college, my dad. I watched it because I liked that Memphis team. That Memphis team had some ballers on it, and I liked Penny Hardaway as their coach. And then Meisman got suspended for the rest of the year, and I went, well, there goes their season and my my future bet on them winning the national championship. So I was very impressed, my dad, very impressed. Now on, as we mentioned, with the 76ers being the leaders right now in the Western Conference at 8-1 and one above the Celtics, who are 8-2 currently. Mm. On to some teams that aren't doing so well. The uh, Los Angeles Clippers right now just outside of the play-in situation right now, but obviously really early in the season. Only nine games played for, for L.A., but the worrying part 
is three and six, but four of those losses have been in a row since since acquiring James Harden from those Philadelphia 76ers. They've really struggled with that lineup of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Boasa Westbrook, and James Harden. Man. And uh. it, it's definitely been hard to see. And I'm not going to say James is the only problem, but it is definitely not looking good right now if you were cheering for the uh, other team in L.A. Brian Demiris, Mavs announcer. I don't know if you heard that. Um, his soliloquy on James Harden. I didn't. It must have been very funny. Let me see what is there. I'm going to ask the producer to pipe this into the Clippers' locker room so I can talk to you, James. I hope you're taking notes. I get on my knees every night and pray for someone to believe in me like Daryl Morey believed in you. You wanted a certain coach, they brought in D'Antoni. You wanted to play, play a certain style, they played it. You wanted Dwight Howard, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. Same thing with Chris Paul. They brought in your old friend, Russell Westbrook. You wanted to go to Vegas on your off days, they looked away. You wanted the team to stay over so you could go out at night, they could change the schedule, and it didn't work. You said, I'm going to break up with my will be not good enough. I see the bright lights of New York. I want to go there with KD. It's going to work. The big three with Kyrie. And after one year, you want it out. You realize, oh, God, I took this guy for granted, the guy that believed in me. I want back with Corey. They traded Ben Simmons for you. How did they pull that off? And you know what? You went there, and you got a partner who won MVP. He got the MVP. And then what did you say afterwards? They didn't hand me the reins. You're the point guard. You were holding the reins. And what did you do when you had the reins? You scored nine points in game seven against Boston. You blew a 3-2 series lead. Now, that's already, I was like, damn. That was already damn as it was. But he wasn't done. So they fired their coach. Not good enough. You broke up with the guy who believed in you again. He said, bright lights of LA. That's where I want to go. Let's see if that works. Listen, James. And this is continuing what he's saying. Have you ever had those friends who had bad roommates? Over and over again, they complained about their bad roommates. They never thought, thought to be self-aware enough that they're the bad roommate. They're the problem. Hey, James, you're the problem. If it doesn't work this year in this system with this team, then you're going to go and point fingers at everybody else, and you're going to go home and start swiping right for another team, like on Tinder. He didn't say like on Tinder. That was just me. There's not going to be anybody left because, James, you're not the beard. You're not the system. You're the problem. Now, it's four games in. But those words, he probably said, he probably was saying what you were, he literally said what you were thinking. I don't disagree with any one thing he said. I don't, because I think he's probably right in a lot of that judgment in Harden being pampered for so long since he left Oklahoma City that it is going to be hard for him to come back down to earth of you are not the guy anymore. You are not the number one option anymore. 
You're not that guy. And I don't know what James Harden wants, I guess is kind of the problem, Cage. And again, I, I think this is a problem with fans and then and, and ownership and, and team management and then the players. What do they want? Because, Cage, most fans, I won't say all, but majority of fans, especially me and I'd say you as well, our goal is to win a championship. Our want and desire is to win and to win a lot and to win often. I would say management is almost always that same way. They want to win. Ownership is 50-50. Some of them want to make money. Some of them want to win. Sometimes you can make money and win. Normally, that's not the case. Normally, you you will not make money to win a championship. Depends on the sport, but regardless. Sometimes those two things don't correlate. The athletes is normally where the sticking point comes in. I don't know if James Harden wants to win. And I mean that. I don't know. And as much as that may sound ridiculous, because we always just think, well, of course he wants to win. And I'm not saying he's not competitive. But what action has James Harden ever shown us to say he wants to win? Like, genuinely, Cage. What's, what's one thing that James Harden has done to show us he wants to win? He stuck out in Houston making all that money, doing whatever he wanted, as was just just explained in that long soliloquy, that long monologue. He did the same thing in New, in New, in Brooklyn, in New York. I think in fair, I can't believe I'm saying this, but in fairness to him, Brooklyn had a lot more problems. Oh, no, he definitely was not the only problem. He probably wasn't even the main problem, I would say, in Brooklyn. But regardless, when situations don't work out and you start pointing the finger, as he explained with the with the roommate analogy, I would even say in the relationship analogy, when you keep losing friends and you blame them, normally it's not their fault. Sometimes, hey, sometimes it is. Sometimes somebody goes out of your life and it's their fault. You know, sometimes they got to hold their hands up and say, you know, what? I was kind of the, the, the worst part of that relationship. But when it happens 10, 12 times with friends, maybe you're the problem. Maybe. Maybe you got to look inside and go, you know what? Why is every person I become a friend with leave me after a year or two? Why? You know? And, and again, that goes back to, I don't know if James Harden wants to win. I think James Harden wants to be a, a star in the NBA. I think James Harden wants to score, score and, and do all of those things. And it's more of a lifestyle thing than it is a winning thing. And I'll say it's more like AI. And I'm not trying to say Allen Iverson didn't want to win. I know Alice Iverson wanted to win. But Allen Iverson wanted to win his way. And it was proven in multiple locations that the way Allen Iverson wanted to win wasn't going to be enough. And he proved that in every location he went to. That the way Allen Iver Iverson wanted to operate was not going to be optimal. It wasn't. The only time he made a championship cage was the only year he actually listened to his coach. And ironically, it was to a Hall of Fame coach. Larry Brown. Larry Brown, who won a championship not too long after that with the Detroit Pistons, who he left the Sixers for, Allen Iverson Sixers, because he and Allen Iverson could not get along. And I'm not comparing Harden to Iverson either, in in either like their games respect, but it feels like Harden wants to win his way, because he is, as he said, I am the system. I am a system. I think he wants to win his way, and he's going to find out, like Allen Iverson did, that 
you can't win like that. Not every athlete can win playing their way. Some guys can. Some guys can be Tom Brady and win their way. Sometimes, Allen Iverson, you can't win your way. You got to listen to the other guy, your coach, your teammates, whatever. And hopefully James Harden figures that out and says, okay, I can't win my way. So I got to listen to Tyron Lue. I got to listen to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And in fairness, more likely Kawhi because Kawhi's won things in the NBA. Paul George has not. Westbrook has not. And NBA championships, I mean. Mm. So. And, not, and honestly, like, in, with the way they've been struggling, I'd honestly have Harden come off the bench. Well, you think somebody's got to. Because Harden was, right now is averaging 13.5 points a game with only five or only 4.3 assists. So he's not even, you know, having that amazing passing numbers he was having in Philadelphia when he led the league in assists last year. Mm-hmm. So it's just not clicking for him right now in L.A. So maybe he does need to start off the bench or, you know, flip him in Westbrook, you know, do every other game kind of thing. I'm, I'm not really sure what Tyron Lue is going to do. But, and again, these guys, you know, only four games in, they're going to acclimate, they're going to win games. They have enough talent to win games. But again, you, you you look at the goal of a team like built like this, which obviously is a championship, and will they be able to win a championship? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm openly not a fan of Tyron Lue. I will reserve judgment because of this team. But when you've got four guys who are, MVP candidates, MVP winners, finals MVP winner, scoring title, mm-hmm. all-NBA defense, all-NBA first team, second team, third team, you got to win. You got to find ways to win. And right now, they're doing the, exactly the opposite. They're finding ways to lose. So yeah. I, I don't really know what the, the fix is. You know, it's, it's, again, it's one of those kind of stupid things where I just say, you got to fix it. Do I know how to fix it? No, of course not. But I'm also not the guy being paid to fix it. And if I was, I'd figure out a way to fix it, wouldn't I? Or I would leave because I'd say I can't fix that. I, I, I'm just not equipped to do that. And sometimes that's true. I'm not saying Tyron Lue ain't that, you know, is not the guy to be able to fix this. I bet you he is because he's dealt with LeBron. He's dealt with Kyrie. He's dealt with personalities like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I just... I hope that Harden fight figures it out before it's too late, unlike Iverson, where he didn't figure it out till well too late, that you can't win your way. Or he is going to wake up out of the league at 35, 36, still being able to play in the league, but running himself out of enough teams to play him in the league, which happened to Allen Iverson, which happened in football to Terrell Owens, which happened in the NFL to Chad Johnson. Chad Odrosenko, if you didn't know he's Chad Johnson before that. He mm. might play himself out of the NBA. And I don't want to see that for an athlete that I think is supremely talented. I just hope Harden figures it out. But I, do not, I don't think he will because when you've been pampered for so long, it's really hard to break those type of trends, break those type of tendencies. And like, I know you made that comparison about Alan Harvison. But Iverson worked for what he had to get to. Because a basketball career wasn't in the works for him after he got arrested. Mm. 
so he may have played his way. So like at least when I at least when Iverson played his way, even if Iverson tried to play his way and he learned the hard way that it didn't work out, he had to bust his behind to get to the point to where he is. Now, yeah, he had he has yes man, which superstar doesn't? I was more meaning cage when they got into the NBA. I'm not saying their their workout to the like to the league was the same because obviously the Allen Iverson story is an inspiration. If you didn't know it, Allen Iverson when he was in I think it was high school, not even college. He was in high school before he went to Georgetown. He was at a bowling alley and I think a gang fight basically broke out and he left. But the white side of the gym decided that to say that he was there and was an acting party in it and got him not just arrested, case, thrown him in jail. And they were going to incarcerate him for years. They were going to sentence him to years, basically to trial. And enough petitions were sent and enough letters were sent that they ended up releasing Allen Iverson. He was able to go to Georgetown and, and play out, you know, his college career and then obviously make it to the NBA. Um, Harden obviously did not have that type of, that type of uh, tumultuous road, but them in the NBA, you know, the Allen Iverson not doing, not taking practice seriously, not showing up to practice, being late to practice, you know, obviously with the iconic, the iconic presser about we talk about practice, you know, as much as that was a funny bit, you know, and, and then the the one with the Pistons where you know what you know how many you know that, how many two times scoring pl- champions are sitting coming off the bench, how many former MVPs are coming off the bench, and he's not wrong in saying that, but again, it's. You have to know you can't win your way. And Allen Iverson never learned that in the NBA. Mm. I hope Harden does learn that the former MVP can come off the bench. The former scoring champion can come off the bench. Thing is, thing, thing is I think the biggest difference between Harden and Iverson, Iverson, you could never deny he wanted to win. Do you want to win his way? Yeah, but you couldn't, you couldn't deny that he wanted to win. I can't say the same for Harden. I can't unequivocally say the same for Harden. And that is, and that's scary. It's like, as a former MVP, like, you cannot have a volatile postseason like he just had last, last postseason in which he opened up the second round with a 40-piece and then had a 40-piece in game four and then had... What was it, two, three, four stinkers of like single digit games? Everywhere he's gone, turmoil happens. And it makes you wonder like, and Damaris hit it on the hit it right on the head. You can't call yourself a system. You can't call yourself a system if the system hasn't worked. At some point, you got—he's got to take a deep look at himself in the mirror and realize he's got to adjust. He's got to do something else to not only stay in this league but to also win. And maybe he will do that. But based off of his history. I'm gonna reserve that for further judgment and judgment until he actually proves it. Well, we'll see if the Clippers can turn it around and if Harden can turn it around for the Los Angeles, the other Los Angeles team. But 
Going on to a couple of tonight games, uh, the Celtics beat the Knickerbockers 114-98. The Raptors 21 to one run, yes, 21 points to one over the Washington Wizards to steal a win at home over the Wizards 111-107. Cage, you were there at Scotiabank. I gotta, I gotta pull off a U. I'm gonna pull off a King Julian Lang Spencer. I cannot believe it. You cannot believe this. I cannot believe this. Like, I actually wanted them to lose so bad. <laughs> the way that they played throughout those first three quarters just left me disgusted. I was like, how are you letting these clowns, no disrespect to the Wizards, but Jordan Poole kind of engages in, like, ridiculousness and Kuzma with his tats, but I digress. Um, how is that team on the second night of a back-to-back nonetheless? Because they played yes, because they played the previous night against Brooklyn. Hmm. How do you? Andrew got blown out against Boston hmm. the, the game before. You can't fall flat like that to one of the worst teams in the league. I thought, here we go again. This is Portland all over. It was worse in Portland because at least that Portland game was close. They just couldn't mm. shoot the ball. Nothing went right. Like, I think first half, they had more shot clock violations than made threes. Three to two. Mm. Kuzma, was, Kuzma was having his way. Mm. Gaffer was having his way. Um, man, uh, it did not look good. And mm. I'm like, if you're, if you're going to play a game like that, you might as well just like lose. Like, yeah, I was open. Like, like that can't happen. Then a funny thing happened. They started pressuring. And you know, that pre- and it led to, I think two or three turnovers. You know what that reminded me of? Remember that 30-point comeback in 2019-20 against Dallas? I think I know what you speak of. Hmm? I think I know what you speak of. It reminded me of that. I'm like, could it be? Could this really be happening? And you know what? Like... May have happened. They may have shown up late to the party, but they did what they were supposed to do in that fourth quarter and just straight up locked them off. Because I think Kuzma hit a free throw to make it one hundred seven ninety two. Believe yeah. No wait. No, it was one hundred seven ninety two. Yeah, they didn't score the rest of the way. And I'm watching this game, and I'm throwing my hands up in the air. It's like, where, where in the hell was this three quarters ago? Like, and give credit to Pascal Siakam. Man was the only consistent guy that showed up offensively. Scotty Barnes did his thing defensively. Chris Boucher with some big minutes, too. 
I think what really made me happy, but I think what out of all that annoyance and whatnot, I think the part that made, really made me the happiest was Malachi Flint being on the floor in in those key moments late, and the Wizards trying to target him on five different occasions to try to score on him, and they went 0 for 5. A year ago or two years ago, you wouldn't see Malachi floor. You could see Malachi Flynn on the floor in a close game in the G League. So it's just, it's just heartwarming to like, it's heartwarming to see a guy like being trusted to be on the floor in crunch time. And he was a plus 12. With that being said, though, big win. But it shouldn't have. It should have never, ever gone to that point. And next game's against Milwaukee. The last time Milwaukee was in that building, they were the Raptors, and probably ran him out of the gym. So you knew, so you know, Milwaukee going to come in guns blazing. That sort of effort that happened against Washington can't happen. But a big win, nonetheless especially with how that game started. I will mention Malachi Flynn was a good defender at San Diego State at SDSU. He just hadn't translated the NBA yet. And again, you know what's sad, Cage? Is Nick Nurse had a great start with the Philadelphia 76ers. It's worked in Philadelphia. And it's worked for Toronto. You know how many divorces in sport work like that? You know how many? Very few. Very, very few. Coach team splits work for both teams. Very few. Mm-hmm. Immediately, of course. So I'm usually the team, obviously, event like with the Eagles when they fired Andy Reid. The Eagles were not a great team really after that. Yeah, they had, a, I think, a decent year the next year. I think it was with Chip Kelly. But then it went to garbage under Chip Kelly. Like everywhere else, he was in the NFL. And then they hired Doug Peterson, which basically was the clone of Andy Reid because he was offensive coordinator in Kansas City. Regardless, Kansas City got really good with Andy Reid, and they're now even better with Dr. Patrick Mahomes. And now the Eagles look great with Nick Sirianni, who was the offensive coordinator for their offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. I know, convoluted, but regardless. You know, it's really, really hard to find splits in sport where they work for everybody. This is one. The Sixers got a really good coach in Nick Nurse. And the Raptors got what they needed. A guy who was going to make them be less selfish, develop the young guys, have fresh ideas. And because, again, to add to the point about Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse was the assistant under Dwayne Casey. So you basically were getting a Dwayne Casey disciple to run the team. You hadn't had fresh ideas in the organization for over a decade. Darko was the first guy to come in with fresh ideas in so long in the Toronto Raptors organization. It is nice to see the Raptors kind of absorbing those new philosophies, the passing, the defense, regard, etc. Because we don't know how good defensively they were. They were good. They've been good defensively. Uh, been a good defensive team for a while now. But it's nice to see that continue with a new offensive identity, with a new head coach that's younger, more vibrant, you know, letting the young guys kind of play a little bit more, unlike what Nick Nurse did. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see both of these teams kind of thriving. Obviously, the Raptors are not a great team, and they're kind of flirting with that play-in situation right now. But it's still you're still seeing growth 
which is exactly what you want to see from a young team that's going through a transitional period like the Raptors are. So yeah. definitely pol- definitely a polite sight to see the Raptors right now with Coach Darko Ryakovich. Couldn't agree with you more. To another team. We're kind of like skipping over the Celtics today because they did get a big win. Uh, I'll say technically last night, but tonight because Kate and I are recording this at about 1 a.m. So Monday just concluded with the Celtics beating the Knicks to make the Celtics 8-2. and two. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about Memphis because their head coach, Taylor Jenkins, was very unhappy with the officials. As again, Memphis right now are the... Basically, worst well, worst team in the West. They're tied for second worst team in all of the NBA currently, and big their win. head coach big. is not happy. What? Yeah, um, big win though against the Clippers. Huh. on their five-game losing skid, zero and four with James Harden. I mean, they seem pretty easy to beat right now. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But I didn't think it'd be the Grizzlies. But anywho, um, I rewatched that game. That had to be one of the worst officiated games of the season. The sequence that led to Jaron Jackson Jr. being ejected was he got he got hacked twice in a row, no calls. He came to figure out he. He tried to go to the ref and figure out what, like, where where is the call at. Ref the ref uses this reasoning that he charged at him, and that's why he tossed him. I don't know about you, Spence, but these refs in the NBA, at least this season, are giving off main character energy. We didn't, none of us came to see y'all. None of us came to came to see the re, the referee show. Aside from maybe James Williams, who looks like Gucci Mane, but still. Um, they're making it about themselves, and what's worse about it is. Taylor Jenkins did the right thing and stood up for his guys. But there's no accountability with press. And if there is, it's not public. Because what did Taylor Jenkins really say that was wrong about that game? And yet he got fa- he got fined 25K. So how else are they how else are the referees supposed to be criticized? Because apparently nothing's being done about it. And I think what's scary and what might be scary is that with this sort of like aura the refs are on, it only takes one player to lose their cool. Now, I'm not saying something like the malice in the past is going to happen. But... The way this is going, I fear I fear one, it's not going to get better anytime soon. Unless you have multiple teams, like multiple coaches that just like cuss out the refs in front of the media. 
or two, and this might be far-fetched, but it escalates to the point where a ref, where a ref might catch heads. Well, I would say the very least, Cage, we might see what happened when Rashid Wallace got suspended for threatening a referee, which ironically was Tim Donaghy, of course, famed for the um, the scandal of allegedly uh, throwing games or altering games because of gambling. That's where you know Tim Donaghy's name from. But yeah, Rashid Wallace got suspended for allegedly threatening Tim Donaghy. And, you know, and again, depending on who he tells the story, depends on how that situation went down. And I'm not here to speculate on it because it happened a long time ago. And Rashid Wallace said, I wanted to talk. And Tim Donaghy said he was waving his fists at him and he felt threatened, which, hey, you know, I'm not, I wasn't wasn't sure. Go ahead. You're out or was that something else? Hmm? Was it like the whack you're out? No, no, it was it was off the floor. It was already after he had been suspended, or like already after he'd been he he'd been he'd been ejected in the game, and he went to talk to him at to talk to him after the game, and that's where he got suspended for threatening a referee. Uh, okay, but okay, okay. I'll be honest, Cage. What I want to see, and I don't know if this would I know this won't fix it, but I feel like it would make fans and teams a lot happier. Mic up every ref. Mic up every ref, so you can review footage. And figure out, you know, because the problem isn't bad calls. The problem isn't missed calls. The problem is accountability and the problem is communication. Like genuinely Cajun 2D, I sent it to you on Instagram. I watched today. It was a European referee who spoke English. And he was mic'd up and he was refereeing a, a, a European game. Can't tell you which league, can't tell you what teams. But he was he was a ref. And he would he would call fouls he would not call fouls he would give warnings you know keep your hands out watch your hands stuff like that and when he would call a foul and the guy would come over and ask him he would explain what he called and at the very end of the video he gets asked um you know like why'd you call that like you're saying you respect me but then you called that and he and he goes why well, this is what I saw and he goes well, I didn't do that and he goes well you, you didn't well maybe maybe I maybe I'm mistaken that's what I saw so that's what I called. But maybe I'm mistaken. Like he openly admitted to the player that maybe I'm mistaken, which again immediately makes you okay. You know, you saw something. You know, maybe you're wrong and you're okay admitting that. Exactly. Being okay being wrong is what players want to hear. And obviously, in certain situations, it doesn't really matter if you're wrong or not. You you can't be you can't be wrong kind of thing. But it, the accountability and the communications with athletes want. You know. When it's like, you know, well, I didn't travel. Well, yeah, you did. And you explain to them, oh, okay, yeah, I did do that. And they keep walking. You know, if you explain to the athletes what they're doing wrong, that you won't have as many problems. Mm-hmm. Or why you don't make a call or why you did make a call. But there's no communication and there's no accountability. So that makes everybody pissed off because now it's like, pardon me. You know, you look at them like, well, so there's no way for them to be disciplined that we know of. There's no way to, to prove what they're doing, and there's stuff that's blatantly happening, like Triple J, Trevor Jackson Jr. got tossed in that game when you talk about the atrocious officiating. He got tossed after getting two separate texts because he got hacked under the rim twice and didn't get the whistle, and as you mentioned, like walked menacingly towards the referee, like did like kind of like shuffles toward the referee, like it was uh, emphatic steps, and the ref immediately teed him up and tossed him. 
And then Jaron really gave it to him after he got ejected because in baseball, get your money's worth. Might as well. You're already gone. What are they going to do to you now? Fine you? Mm-hmm. So the NBA needs to find a way to make referees accountable and communicate better. Because those two things, I think, would mitigate a lot of the problems fans and, more specifically, players and teams have with the officiating. If they could just explain, like, hey, I didn't call it because I did call it because. Because even if they're wrong, at least then at least the athlete's like, okay, I can understand what you're trying to tell me. As much as I think it's stupid or I think you're wrong, at least I can understand. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think if those two things can happen, I think we have a chance of not fixing necessarily, but at least helping create a better environment for the way referees are treated and the way referees act. But at this point, I don't know if their NBA will do anything. And it was, as you mentioned, could escalate into situations that are not good for anybody, referees or teams or players or the league, might I add. But we're now going to run through a couple other quick things, Cage. So Victor Wembanyama, the San Antonio Spurs, and Chet Holmgren, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, have their first matchup on Tuesday. So that would be technically today when this comes out. So tonight, Holmgren versus Wembanyama, Cage. A, who do you think wins the matchup? B, who do you think wins the game? I think based off of, I think based off of like how each player is featured, I think Wemby's gonna win the matchup, but the Thunder are gonna win the game. Um, because Wemby's basically the focal, like arguably the focal point of the Spurs offense, unless you want to count Vassell and Calvin Johnson. But Holmgren, that's not the case with him because she is the top dog there. Um, so I think Wemby's going to get more points, so I think he's going to be efficient with it. With No. But I think he's going to turn the ball over a lot, probably. Um, but it's a, sign of what, it's a sign of what to expect. It's a sign of it's going to be a first glimpse at the future of the NBA. And honestly, and honestly, Spence, could it be more excited to see that? Could not be more excited to see that because they're unicorns in their own right. Chet's a guy who can space the floor. Um transform a team's defense, rebound the basketball, you can do it all. At the same time, Wemby's a guard in a seven-foot-two body. And hey, this could be down the line of Western Conference Finals preview for years to come. Based of how many draft picks the Thunder have and how bright the Spurs' future is now that Wemby's in the picture. So, 
get strapped in, folks, because for the next decade, you might be seeing these two teams compete for compete against each other in the playoffs. In the East Western Conference Finals, no less. Mm. But uh, two more topics I want to hit before we go, Cage, just quick. Before also, we also, skedaddle. Go ahead. Also, I can't go without shouting, out, shouting this out, and I was trying to watch this. I, I was li- literally trying to watch this, but there's no stream for NCAA Women's Ball, and it pisses me off. Shout out to Caitlin K- Clark. Caitlin Clark. Oh, she's so good, isn't she? Iowa's all-time leading scorer. Um, they beat Northern Iowa on Sunday, and she had a triple-double. She also beat record. Virginia Tech earlier. She's going to remember we mentioned that Virginia Tech game. She did beat Virginia Tech, 80-76 to 76 did Iowa. She had 44 in the win. More than half more than half of her team's points. Um, so shout out to Keelan Clark. Shout out, shout out to the to the to the, to NCAA women's basketball. And for crying out loud, streaming services get get us get some streams in from NCAA women's ball because I'm like, how am I finding men's streams when not women's? That is. Like, that is definitely a good question, Case. Should mention some other big ranked games that went on uh, going into today's episode. South Carolina beat Maryland 114 to 76 and making North Carolina the number one ranked team in the nation currently. Yes, South Carolina jumped to number one after LSU's opening night loss. They jumped Iowa as well, who are ranked three in the nation coming in. UConn losing to NC State. So UConn losing their second spot. So some already big losses there at the top of the. Uh, women's charts. Uh, Stanford beat uh, Indiana ni- uh, nine- 96-64. So, a uh, big win for the uh, Ivy League Stanford over the uh, Hoosiers in another ranked-on-ranked game. And that's basically it for ranked-on-ranked teams. But going on tonight, Utah. Not, uh, Utah, I'm not sure where they're ranked right now because, again, the new rankings came out for the women's the women's game, but it hasn't been updated on the score yet. So I'm not exactly sure what Utah and or Baylor are ranked, but they're both ranked on the score right now. So I assume that's going to stay a ranked game right now. So Baylor versus Utah tonight at 730. I assume it's in Waco. It is in Waco. So that's going to be a big game for Baylor to try to upset the uh, top-ranked Utes. We'll have to see. Might try to find a stream for that one, Cage. Kalal should not be doing too much tomorrow or tonight. Going over to the men's pool, just trying to see if there's any other big games that we could have missed. I should mention that because of Arizona's big win recently, that I actually will mention now, uh, Arizona, the Wildcats under Coach Lloyd, former disciple of Coach Mark Few in Gonzaga, they knocked off number two, Duke, 78-73. So now Arizona's ranked number three in the nation in the men's pool uh, currently with making that Duke team fall pretty far in the standings. Michigan State also fell after their opening night loss to James Madison. They're now down to 18. And uh, to mention that as well, James Madison ranked in the top 25 for the first time ever in their program's history since moving to Division I ball back in, I believe it was the late 70s, early 80s. So history for for James Madison, for the Dukes. Shout out to them. Big, 
Mm. And I also have to mention big upset against Michigan State, which Open kind of night. propelled this. Yeah, which propelled it, propelled them to this rise. So a lot of movement around in these rankings, whether it's men's and women's. So the two teams actually be... follow. Go ahead, Gage. No, go on. I was just going to mention the two teams that fell out of the men's pool with James Madison jumping in, St. Mary's, who lost to Weber State, 61-57, and then today, uh, falling out for uh, Villanova, lost to Penn. So the University of Pennsylvania, not Penn State, but the University of Pennsylvania, the Ivy League Penn, beat Villanova, ranked 22 in the nation, 76-72, yesterday slash tonight. Any rank? Ooh, and Cage, you're going to love this. So tonight is the beginning of, I believe it's the Champions Classic, which means Mm -hmm. Duke's going to play Michigan State tonight, while Kansas will play Kentucky tonight. That's just the beginning of some big games of ranked-on-ranked teams. Marquette, I'm pretty sure they've moved up for number five in the nation. Let me make sure I check that quickly. As I go look at the new AP rankings, Marquette's number four in the nation. Marquette take on the Illini, who also moved up. So Illinois versus Marquette, ranked on ranked. Duke versus Michigan, ranked on ranked. Kansas versus Kentucky, ranked on ranked. Some big games in the men's pool going on tonight. And another game, sleeper, sleeper game, in my opinion. Crichton, ranked top 10 in the nation against Iowa. The Hawkeyes aren't ranked right now. 2-0 2-0 to start the year. I'm not going to say Crichton gets upset by the Hawkeyes. But I'm going to say the Hawkeyes give them a good ball game, even though they're away, even though they're at uh, Omaha, even though they're at Crichton. I think Iowa's going to give them a game because Iowa's been a pretty good program the past five years. Mm. So some big games going on today, Cajun. Some big games going on on both sides of the college ball, men's and women's. But lastly, as you mentioned, so we did mention college ball, so I do feel a little better about myself. But the final thing I want to mention, Cage, because I don't know how you didn't put it in the doc. I don't know how you missed it. Michael Malone, Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets, got a contract extension from the Denver Nuggets. So he will be the coach for the foreseeable future with the reigning champs. The It's a two-year extension on his current deal, which ties him up with the franchise through 2026-27. So he's there for at least the next four years in Denver at Mile High. No surprise right there. No surprise. Um, he's really grown as a head coach, and ever since the King, ever since his days with the Sacramento Kings, it got to the point where that when he got fired, Cousins questioned why. Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, it's well deserved. It's well deserved. He's now an NBA champion. He's really empowered this Denver Nuggets team. He's gone to bat for them. He's he's grown as a head coach. He's really grown with that with that Denver Nuggets core. And I can't think of anybody else to lead that core than the guy who's been along with them for the ride. Um, and. And I've also they haven't their bench hasn't really their bench has had some guys step up too with Christian Braun, Peyton Watson, Julian Strato, um, coaching plays a role in that. 
Uh, shout out to head coach Mike Malone. Um, already an NBA champion. And now, and now I got a big fat contract extension. So good on him. Good on our, I believe we placed him. Oh goodness, Cage. Where do we place him? I got rid of that note. Uh, little actually the physical note that I made. Where did we place Mike Malone in our top five coaches? Was he three or was he four? Might have been second. He might have been second. No, he couldn't have been second because we had Spolstra one, and I believe we had Car we had um Carlisle two. So I think he must have been three. I think he would have been above Steve Kerr, and I know he was above Mike Brown. I swear we had him as two because he was an NBA champion. Well, then I guess we're Carlisle's three. But regardless, we knew he, I knew he had him in the top five, and I knew he was top three. I just can't remember where we placed him because I know Spolster's number one. But yeah. regardless, we had him in the top five coach, and now he's coaching in Denver for the foreseeable future. And I would go as far as to say, unless something dramatic happens, It'll be he'll be there as long as he wants to be there and the team wants him there, which at this point they seem inseparable with how good the Nuggets have been playing this year and obviously last year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the way, the, way, the, the way Denver is shaping out right now, he'll be there for a while. A lot longer than maybe 2026 when he's 27. Definitely would expect so. So I will end off with this. Thursday, we'll be back for some more regular scheduled programming. With that, my goal for that episode, Cage, we're going to talk about at least one NCAA game of ranked-on-ranked teams. If that's one of the games going on tonight or if that's on Wednesday or before we record. I guess we went before we record on Thursday, depending on what time we record on Thursday. But regardless... We'll find. We'll, I want us to watch one of the men's games and one of the women's games going on right now in college basketball. So I don't care if you watch a game and I watch a game. We break them down basically opposite each other or if we watch the same game and we try to watch two or how we do it. But I want to be able to break down at least one men's college basketball game and one women's college basketball game. And then I'll just talk about the NBA games that go on around. Of course. I'm down for that. Let's do it. So I'm not sure we'll do those live because it's regular season and who really cares. But we will try to have some reviews going on next third or this coming Thursday for our next episode of regularly scheduled programming of Polar Opposites here on the Outrage Inc.